1: Hear my words and bear witness to my vow Night gathers and now my watch begins It shall not end until my death I shall take no wife Hold no lands Father no children I shall wear no crowns and win no glory I shall live and die at my post I am the sword in the darkness I am the watcher on the walls I am the shield that guards the realm of men. I pledge my life in honor to the Night's Watch. For this night, and all the nights to come.
0: Hello and welcome to still watching Game of Thrones. I'm Betty Fair Senior Writer Joanna Robinson.
2: And I'm Vanity Fair Chief Critic, Richard Lawson.
0: If you are just joining us, we are at the end of a, towards the end, I should say, of a 15-episode countdown of the top 15 most essential slash important episodes of Game of Thrones. This is our second-to-last episode where we are talking about Season 7, Episode 4, Spoils of War, written by Weiss and Benioff and directed by Matt Shackman. Um We have one more episode after this. this that will be our most important most vital most essential game of thrones episode uh, which we will announce towards the end of this particular episode but for right now we've been doing this chronologically so we've reached all the way to season seven and then our last episode will just be one we've plucked out of somewhere in the run as our most important um richard are you excited to talk about spoils of war (laughs)
2: i am i feel like on this podcast i've been like a little bit like oh once they ran out of book material the show kind of lost me whatever this is a really good episode like it's just really well done really well acted really well written um and it 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 takes moments to sort of consider the emotional weight of everything while also moving the plot forward so um hats off to 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 them
0: yeah absolutely and um this this one like You know, season seven was a little hit or miss for me, um, and, and this idea of like balancing spectacle and, and substance. But, um, this episode is like the quintessential marriage of like character and spectacle for me. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, before we get to our episode discussion, uh, we wanted to do a few Little things that we like to do here on Still Watching. First of all, we want to remind you that if you're not already a Vanity Fair subscriber, you can go to com slash Thrones, enter the promo code Thrones, get a whole year digital, print, tote bag, the whole thing for $7.50, which is Insane. $7.50, whole year, Vanity Fair, you can go, you can read all our Vanity Fair stuff, you can read every review that Richard's going to file from Can it's going to be a great time on VF.com and you want to join us for that. Richard, why do you think people should jump on the $7.50 deal for Vanity Fair?
2: Because if they don't, we're going to burn their army down?
0: Great. Uh, uh We will hop on our dragons and roast you to bits and pieces if you don't, no, no threats, uh, just... <laughs> just I in sentence me-
2: metaphorically <laughs> oh yes yes figuratively. <laughs> we'll we'll um,
0: we'll scorch you with our words
2: <laughs> speaking of fig of uh subscribing to things um we should mention that you're going to be doing there's going to be a game of thrones newsletter that people can subscribe to right
0: yeah, you can, uh, you know. So I write some stuff about Game of Thrones sometimes, and uh, if you want, <laughs> just a few things. Uh, I actually just did an interview, and and the guy fact checked how many like podcasts and articles that I've done about Game of Thrones, and he came up with eight hundred, which made me like w- want to pass out a little bit. But um, wow. So anyway, I write a few things about Game of Thrones. If you want that delivered to your inbox via email uh, during the season, there is something that we're doing called the Westeros Update. So if you go to www.westerosupdate.com. You can subscribe to this newsletter. Basically, and get get the latest Thrones content from VanityFair.com. So, WesterosUpdate.com. You just type your email in, and then bam, you're done. Um, all right. So let us get into uh, uh, my challenge that I set for myself uh, on these episodes is to recap the episode in 15 words or less. Uh, I have gotten a little lazier with trying to hit all the points as we've gone on, because uh, hopefully this episode's a little bit fresher in people's memories. But anyway, uh, I'm just calling this one Daenerys Targaryen invites House Lannister to a barbecue. That's this one. There's actually a lot of other stuff that happens in Spoils of War, but, you know. Um, and in some
2: senses, doesn't House Lannister invite themselves to that barbecue?
0: Oh, uh, they're always doing that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. forever self-inviting um and then we want to you know just hand out a few awards before we get to our episode discussion our first award is the obvious mvp of the episode i'm going to give it to my boy my constant problematic fave jamie lannister
2: who do you have richard uh mine is i think also obvious it's Stroke on the dragon
0: I love it. Um, and then we got to do sneaky MVP. I'm going to give it to the lovely Tom Hopper that people might know from Umbrella Academy or Black Sails. Shows up for like two episodes as recast as Sam's brother, Dick and Tarly. And uh, he, just, he does a nice job making you care about him a little bit uh, in this episode. So sneaky MVP, Tom Hopper is Dick and Tarly. Who do you have, Richard?
2: I think it's Davo Seaworth for finally kind of hinting at what we've all been knowing in terms of John having a crush on Danny he finally kind of gets at it in this episode and you're like thank you
0: yes (laughs) finally um all right and then we we want to read out our favorite quote from the episode uh this is where we do really embarrassing accents and try to do impressions of the characters on the show uh and i usually feel miserably i don't have a quote from the battle itself my my quote comes from winterfell and it's Chaos is a ladder, which is Bran spooking Littlefinger by quoting his own words back to him. So, chaos is a ladder. That's a callback to an earlier speech from the show. Richard, what is your quote?
2: Well, it's it's a, it's a little bit of dialogue. So it's um said, "Jamie, Rickon, Dickon," <laughs> and then Bran laughs, laughs at Dickon because who would?
0: Yeah, I feel like this the. the like the joke is good because they do it in the earlier season episode when you meet Dick and Tarly for the first time. He calls him something else as well. Um, well probably also Rickon, but um, I think it was just like the show is trying really hard to get you to remember who Dick and Tarly is so that when they uh, roast him, spoiler alert in the next episode you you might care a little bit because they like just recast him so it's a new actor and they have two episodes and they're like okay remember his name is dickon remember Mm -hmm. you're gonna need you to be upset next week when when daenerys kills them anyway and
2: like george saddled us with this ridiculous (laughs) name
0: so here we go um all right and then best dressed um I, I, this is sort of like me biting off an earlier thing I said, which was, uh, I think earlier I voted for Tywin Lannister in his Lannister armor. I'm gonna give it to Jamie Lannister in his Lannister armor in this episode. He looks really good in that, in that red armor. Facing down the dragon, uh, one of my favorite things that's ever happened. Richard, what is your, what is your vote? Best dressed.
2: I mean, there's a lot of good winter wear happening in Winterfell, you know, <laughs> yes. but I gotta say, and it's more of an accessory, but I love Bran and his like kind of pre Victorian wheelchair. It's just a very like dashing look. So I'm gonna go with that.
0: Yeah, Isaac Hempstead Wright told me in an earlier, uh, episode of this podcast, uh, when we covered home that he, um, he has actually like this beautiful, really cool wizard's robe that Michelle Clapton made for him that he's wearing all the time, but he's just like sitting down and covered in furs all the time that you like can't tell. He's like, but when you stand up, it's really cool. And I was like, Oh, what a shame. That, like Beautiful costume is never seen. Um, All right. And then the last thing we're going to do is we're going to pick like a ship from the episode two characters or inanimate objects or whatever that we wish would really get together. And um, I'm going to give it to our joint MVPs, Drogon and Jamie. I want them to just like hug it out. And maybe Jamie gets to ride that dragon. Like, why not? Um, Who's your who's your ship in this episode, Richard?
2: I know he doesn't deserve it, but when Theon gets off the boat and John like looks at him and Theon clearly expects him to like something really bad to happen. I was like, Oh, maybe they're going to hug. I had forgotten, you know? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I've, in that second, I wanted them to be, be like friends again. Yeah. Um, if they ever really were friends. But then I was like, Oh, right. But Theon did a lot of bad shit. So
0: he really did. Yeah. And I love that scene. And we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, some of the non, uh, you know, battlefield stuff that happens in this episode. Um, but that is a really good pick. This is an interesting episode because it um Matt Shachman is the director of this episode, but he felt like a, and when he was announced, everyone was like, what? Cause he's like a, a comedy TV director. He's a, it, it, he's an, it's always a sunny in Philadelphia director. But like the, it's always sunny guys are like friends with Weiss and Benioff and some other people. And so like that relationship doesn't seem that confusing to me, but you're sort of like, what is Shackman doing here when like, you know, there are other names like Miguel Sapochnik decide to sit this season out like, uh, but David Nutter actually told us in a previous episode of this podcast that uh, he was supposed to, or at, at least at one point was in contention to direct this episode. He directed like The Red Wedding and Cersei's Walk and all this other stuff, um, but that he injured his back and so he couldn't do it. So Matt Shackman was sort of like a tap in, but he did an amazing job with this episode is so good so
2: yeah it's it's both emotionally resonant and the action stuff is you know pretty like awe-inspiring uh and um and it all feels like it feels like this episode is super jam-packed with stuff and yet you don't feel like kind of overwhelmed by it
0: yeah um we we have the um the Winterfell stuff which as we mentioned there's like this brand and Littlefinger conversation but there's like Arya Stark comes back to Winterfell in this episode Arya Stark who hasn't been home deal. and since season one comes back and she has some scenes with Sansa some scenes with Bran she gets a new weapon and then she has this like really amazingly fun duel with uh, Bran of Tarth Gwendolyn Christie one of my favorite things that happens in season seven what do you think of this all this Winterfell stuff?
2: I think it's great. I love it. I love the reunion stuff. I mean, that's just sort of, I'm sort of a sucker for that, but I think it's wonderful seeing these actors together again and realizing how much they've grown as actors since they were last together. You know, like I think Maisie Williams is really wonderful in the scene down in the, in the crypt where she's, you know, just feels very sort of angry, but forlorn and reconnecting with her sister, uh, which is going to be a hard thing to do as later episodes in the season prove. Um, And I also think that Sansa, watching um the duel or the kind of fake duel between brienne and Arya it's a beautiful efficient way to communicate sansa learning oh my god where has my sister been what has she learned like you know it's just like a really um neat way of kind of packaging that you know rather than have aria kind of like lay it all out in exposition.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, like, the stuff with Arya and Sansa becomes less enjoyable for me as the season goes on. Like, I think yeah. some of the tension feels a little manufactured. So I I, I really like this stuff. And then I like, like, the very end of the, like, the finale when, like, they're working together and they, they talk. You know, the stuff in between is some of the stuff that I didn't love in Season 7. So it's nice to revisit this episode. Just, like, see them reunite. See Arya fight Brienne with this, like, all this great uh, integration of all the different fighting styles she's learned. See... Littlefinger thrown for a loop in a way that um, you know Sansa kind of catches him off guard here and there over the seasons, but like Bran really, really fucks with Littlefinger, and like it's it's so funny. It's an introduce it's an introduction of a new. Uh, dynamic in the world where like strivers and schemers, like Littlefinger can't survive in a realm where there's someone who knows everything that's ever happened to like Bran, you know what I mean? Like Littlefinger's superpowers are nothing compared to like, you know, when Bran can see it all, you know?
2: Right. And it's interesting, you know, like for as sort of connected and sort of devious and successful as Littlefinger is, he feels like one of those characters who like, did he really ever actually believe the sort of magic stuff, you know, was he using that superstition to his advantage? And then seeing Bran, he's like, Oh wait, like (laughs) this actually is real. Yeah. And I think that we see a lot of characters have those realizations over the years in the show. And I think it's always satisfying because we've known the whole time.
0: Yeah, that's true. And a big part of it is Jamie in this episode, Jamie seeing his first dragon right yes, you exactly. know um all right so let's uh like let's, let's hop over to king's landing uh really quickly which is just cersei you know paying her debts as the lannisters tend to do and talking about some mercenaries she's gonna hire so that's just fine it's just lena Heatty like you know scheming and drinking wine and doing whatever she likes to do or it, not it's always you know
2: yeah it's always been funny to me that westeros does its banking overseas like offshore. <laughs> yeah you know?
0: Yeah, it's the Cayman Islands. Bravos is the Cayman Islands of Game of Thrones.
2: Like they're very intimately tied and sort of reliant on Bravos in this way that you <laughs> think of Westeros being very like proud and self sufficient and you know. Um so I just think it's like a funny detail. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um and then and then like let's just cover uh, Dragonstone before we go to the battle, which is um John and Daenerys have this very romantic little date in a cave. Uh, we get to hear a new piece of music from R- Ramin Javadi, uh, which I think is called Dragonglass, uh, which is sort of the John and Daenerys love theme. We hear it kind of for the first time in this episode and. There was some really, um, I'm, I think I've mentioned this before that I'm notoriously bad at hearing, um, the music and the themes on this show, but, uh, some, some people are much smarter than I am, like broke down the Dragonglass theme and noticed that there's like part of John and Igret's theme in it and it's part of Caldrogo Khal- and Danny's theme in it and it sort of blends together to be like, these are, I find it which I find like oddly really touching it's like we take our life experiences our previous relationships and we bring them to the table you know as we embark on this new
2: relationship am I over
0: overthinking
2: this no (laughs) no I think that's kind of lovely you know I think I think it's lovely even though I don't think that like Danny and John are like made for each other you know what I mean um
0: it all feels i mean like it, it can't help but feel rushed you know what i mean there are there are things that are seasons in the making and then there's this which just you know they've got three episodes or four episodes or whatever to make you believe that no like this is this is episode four right or episode five episode yeah, four. four um you know so they've got like three episodes really to make you be like This is it. Endgame. John and Daenerys, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, Kit and Amelia are on the cover, you know, like, they're the, they're the ad campaign for season eight, you know, it's Kit and Amelia. And it's like, there's part of it is like, We've been with these characters for so long that like we're invested in their journey. And so you put these, you mash these two big, you know, heroic burdened with destiny people together. And that's a big deal, but like there's just, there's just so little time. And so it just all feels, you know, whereas like Egret and John frolicked north of the wall for a while before, you know, she took him into that cave. So it's, it's just a different timeline, a different pacing, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, I get, I, I do get the, you know, in, in sort of like in terms of the, the text, like I, I get why these two young people who have been spending years with the weight of the world on their shoulders would meet each other and be like, Oh my god, finally someone who gets it you know? Even right. though they're a bit aware of each other. So like that makes sense to me, but I just think I don't think that the show is thematically heading toward a place where um Danny and John are like the great loves. I think it's their their kind of coupling is almost more like strategic or something you know what i mean like i don't think they know that but i think in terms of the storytelling
0: yeah and i don't i don't i mean like certainly the fact that they're related might be something we want to consider um Mm -hmm. and i don't um i mean and certainly what's also true is that uh the this is not usually a story of happy ever afters so it's not you know john and daenerys get matching iron thrones and raise their uh, tots in king's landing or something like that um but, you know, in terms of them coming together, like, this is the song of ice and fire. That is, like, you know, she's, you know, he's ice, she's fire. Um, And then, you know, we we are not talking about any other season seven episodes. This is our last one uh, that we're talking about in season seven. So we should just mention, you know, like that they, uh, you know, they, they consummate their flirtation in the final episode of the season. And what seems to me by all the hints that they drop in season seven is that like Daenerys is definitely going to get pregnant with his baby uh and so whatever that baby is um, with her
2: nephew's baby
0: yeah welcome to game of thrones so whatever so her baby feels like maybe an important element of like maybe the baby is the song of ice and fire or something like that but that you know there i i agree with you i don't know if you're right that like the show doesn't want us to think that they are like uh, sort of romantic end game. But I do think that they also serve this function of like, they come together. Like Melisandre even says this Melisandre in season seven says, um, you know, when she comes to Daenerys and she tells her about the Azor Ahai, uh, you know, Messiah prophecy or whatever. And and Missandei points out helpfully like, oh, it's princess. It could be princess or prince that was promised. And Melisandre's like, uh, you have a role to play Daenerys and Jon Snow has a role to play. That She says that. She just says that. And then later she says, I've done my job. I brought ice and fire together. And so I feel like this is all like make a baby like, language <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you guys together maybe will create the messiah that we need possibly i don't know
2: even though secretly the messiah is gilly's baby
0: absolutely it's definitely little sam okay um and then uh what else to the okay and then like you know um
2: can we talk about the cave drawings
0: yes let's please talk about the cave drawings um did you do them richard did you sneak onto dragonstone and do this it kind of drawings? looked like i did them
2: <laughs> you know what i mean are <laughs> yeah. not very good but also i think you know i i love lo- i've said it so many times on this podcast but like i love the history of this story and like when they look back into the ancient stuff and i think it's just really intriguing um i just wish that the drawings had looked older You know, production design wise. I wish they were a little more faded, a little less like literal or something. I don't know. But, um, I do appreciate when the show pauses and and considers its history.
0: Um, yeah, I, I mean, i don't i don't want to like knock production design too much but it did like crack me up the memes that came up around it where like people were like "Jon snow dusting like the chalk off his hands or whatever because like obviously it like helps him prove his case and so they're like it would have been you know uh fortuitous for him uh to have done those cave drawings for his own end and sort of thing so um anyway uh, Like right
2: under her house
0: yeah exactly
2: how convenient
0: (laughs) he's like da da da. here they go um yeah and then we get all this stuff about daenerys learning that Tyrion's uh, that high garden fell uh my one of my regrets about the fact that we only did 15 episodes of this rewatch richard is that we didn't get to do the death of olena um so do you want to do your impression of olena tyrell's last words uh for us as high
2: garden fell tell cersei i wanted to know it was me
0: yeah so good so like high garden fell that's a big thing that happened um and you know Tyrion has to tell daenerys that that happened and she's like okay great i'll just burn everything with my dragon he's like how about we how about selective burning um which results in in daenerys attacking jamie lannister on the road to king's landing instead of torching king's landing directly
2: um i like i like yeah. the moments when you see characters kind of look at danny like eh, is she a little crazy <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, because yeah. I, I, I think it's it's an important part of her characterization that she too has this dis- slight disease inside of her, which is this this bloodthirsty, you know, um, want of power and um, yes we've been rooting for her since the beginning and like she's better than a lot of other people but like I like when she's put in her in, in that that context you know however yeah
0: mm-hmm. I completely agree um, and then yeah and then we get this battle and something that the um you know the the writers producers etc I like to like to tout was like that this is the first time we see a showdown um, between two characters that you know like the villains are gone Ramsey's dead Joffrey's dead Tywin's gone blah, blah blah the Night King's still lurking about but but, like, um, these are our heroes at, at sort of cross purposes uh, with each other. And, I mean, if you want to call Jamie Lannister that, which I do. Um, and so uh, that's it, not, like, entirely true. I think Brian Cogman brought up in our um, episode that we did about the children that, like, Brienne fighting the hound counted. But this yeah. – something something he said, which I thought was really interesting, is, like, this is the first time we really see Danny clashing with people because, like, she's been divorced from – the main plot for so long. So here's Daenerys right. coming at loggerheads with these Westerosi storylines that we've been watching for so long.
2: And it's like Jamie being like, like, you know, I've heard about the dragon Targaryen princess out, you know, east, whatever, and then actually seeing her and being like, oh my God, it's real. <laughs> like she's, like it's a little bit like Littlefinger too, you know, like, like you said. And, um, I just think those moments are so satisfying because again, we've spent so many years with Danny and to want to see, to realize like, oh, he's never seen her before. Um, yeah I, th- I think it's cool and I think it's also just like you know the visceral little kid of me is like dragons oh my god and it's, <laughs> and, it's and it's and it's 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 hasn't it's been a while on the show since the dragons have kind of excited me and I think that this um you know sequence does it so well like like reminds us of the dragons kind of majesty while also I think Showing us that, like, this is a really br- brutal form of warfare, you know, and yeah. and I mean, it's all brutal, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a it's a bad way to go, uh, and it's a bad thing to do to people. And she's doing it with glee, and we're kind of like cheering her on, and that all starts to feel a bit squicky. And I think that that is beautifully illustrated in Tyrion's reaction shots.
0: Tyrion's reaction shots, and then also. My guy Jamie, because like there's this moment where Nikolai Costa Waldo, as Jamie Lannister, looks around the battlefield and looks around at all these people on fire, and then decides to make that like really foolish charge. At the dragon, which is similar to, you know, like, and you have to think about all of Jamie's context, because we talked about this a lot when we did the Kiss by Fire episode, but like the whole idea of the fact that like Jamie Lannister saved King's Landing by killing the Mad King Aerys from using wildfire to burn King's Landing. And then here comes Aerys's daughter to burn a bunch of... Soldiers, uh not with wildfire with dragon fire, but it's like similar, and he's like, this is what i like this is what I ruined my entire reputation in order to prevent back at you know in Robert's rebellion. And here it is again. And so here I am going to go again and make this foolhardy charge at something, uh, in order. And it, and it's like shot almost like a, like a Vietnam War movie. You know what I mean? You just see these like, it's like napalm. You just like see these people on fire. And, and, you know, in later in this, up ep- this podcast episode, we're talking to Sam Conway, who does a special effects. Uh, and, and I think they, I believe they broke the world's record for like number of stuntmen they set on fire at once. They set 30 people oh on God. fire. Yeah. So like, you know, they did, they did so much they do so much like practically and that's something you know like the 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 cgi of the dragon looks so good but there's also just mm-hmm. like they do so much work with like actual fire and you can tell and it just makes it feel it doesn't feel like a cartoon uh oh, dragon is just torched a bunch of people it feels so visceral and real in this uh, uh battle
2: i also love um i don't even know how to describe it but in the score whenever the dragons do something that like descending kind of yeah. sound do you know what i mean
0: yeah I love uh, that. spoiler i mean we could just say can we say what our final episode is should we just say no it? we should
2: wait let's wait let's wait uh,
0: okay uh i'll have more on that in that episode but um okay. anyway um yes that it's a great little like like descending yeah, it's a sort little of thing.
2: but like yeah <laughs> so uh, you good. know in a fun way
0: yeah i really like it um and then uh and then also one of my favorite shots of all of Game of Thrones is in this episode, which is, um, the Dothraki, uh, screamers, the, the riding in, and they got these like horse stunt guys to like actually like stand up on their horses, uh, mm-hmm. doing what, uh, my, my friend called horse, horse parkour. And it's just like, it's just once again, it's this practical effect. You know, it's actually in camera. You've got these stunt guys on these, you know, these riding stunt guys on horses and they just look, incredible and you could have cg'd that but it would have looked like garbage and it just looks so good and at this point you know i i knock game of thrones all the time for the fact that like there's so much more spectacle more battle whatever as the series goes on um but like the fact that they have more you know and when they when they promoted the season they're like epic biggest dragon ever blah 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 but like but when they put the money down to do so much of it practically and to make it look as good as it does, then you just get to forget that you're watching a story about dragons and just like get swept away and like what bro- what's Bron doing? What's what's Jaime doing? What is Tyrion watching? Sort of thing, you know?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I- I'm I'm with you in terms of being a little bit leery of like the the maximalized Game of Thrones where everything has to be an epic battle scene or whatever. But, like, when it's done well, you know, and it's a little bit different than what you've seen before, um, it's it's pretty exciting, you know? So, hats off to uh, a comedy director for nailing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think, not to, like, deprive Matt Shackman of his credit, but I think at this point on Thrones, it's, like, such a like, a unit, do you know what I mean? Like, their DPs, their special effects people, their production design people, their stunt people, you know, that they, like, it's a machine, and you step into it. I don't, I like, I don't think a single director on Game of Thrones could fuck it up at this point, is my point, because like, the machinery is too intense. But I think, you know, as we discussed with, like, the door, you know, with Jack Bender and the door, I think there are directors who can bring just, like, something more to it. Something Miguel Sapochnik certainly does. And whatever it is that Max Shackman did on this, it, I, you know, I only have one episode of Game of Thrones to understand what his directing style for Game of Thrones is, but it's like, uh, it's a good one. So what, you know, I'm not going to knock I mean, it. I think, you
2: know? I think like I could have fucked it up if that, if I'd, I mean, I'm not, I guess, technically a director, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, I should, I should give credit to the, um, the, this crew that does all this amazing stuff and is used to it and that, that has made it so like, yeah, the directors, while not interchangeable exactly, certainly right. um, are, are only one part of a very big, beautiful machine.
0: And that's, I mean... That's sort of I, you know, not to get too sentimental or, or self-aggrandizing or anything like that, but I, that's kind of been the point of this podcast is to revisit mm-hmm. like a bunch of the people who have, um, gone, you know, gone slightly unheralded here and there, uh, who have been so instrumental in making this. I love like everything that Paula Fairfield, who does the like sounds on the dragons, said on the last episode, um, is just is so interesting when you watch this episode and you think of the fact that she like considers these dragons like her children because she's been like making the noises for them since they were like babies you know toddlers Mm -hmm. and like you know um something she said that i loved is there's like it's not just like the dragon roar it's the the sound of the dragon bodies as they move like all the sound as well as the visuals make you buy into the fact that this is a dragon is an actual thing with weight and and power and and if you can buy into that then you can buy into the story that they're trying to tell you and but that's instrumental like because if you have a shitty cg thing uh and there's a million examples that we could give you of that in in film in television then i'm just like i'm just distracted watching that that shitty cg so this is like you know this is more like jurassic park where like i believe those dinosaurs are real and i believe at least in this iteration maybe not some of the like early early baby dragon stuff but in these iterations i believe those dragons are real and have weight and have power and it's 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 huge i agree all right is there anything else you want to say about this episode if i wax poetic enough about it (laughs)
2: uh just uh you know goodbye dickon we hardly knew you i mean (laughs) i mean he has one more episode i know but
0: yeah, the only thing I didn't like, actually, about this episode uh, is I really don't like the way it ends. Because it ends with, like, this, I think, pretty stupid cliffhanger of, like, Jamie and Braun sinking into the yeah. the, the water there. Uh, and we find out that they're fine the next episode. And I just feel like it was, it was like, a bit of, like, a little bit of a cheap. Because, okay, so you have this, this battle between two people we care about and um you know something that i've heard the showrunner say is like you know and someone you care about is gonna die but actually what's true is that nobody we care about actually dies in this battle right like Mm -hmm. daenerys is fine drogon's fine Braun's fine jamie's fine Tyrion's fine the Tarleys we don't actually really care about so like you know the fact that they die next week is fine but it ends with this like implication that maybe Braun and jamie are not going to make it i don't mind i don't mind Braun saving jamie i don't mind them like last minute missing the dragon fire I don't mind them like landing in the river and it washing them downstream and them escaping i just i just mind that it ended with this sort of will they survive kind of thing and that it, it felt like yeah just like a, a little bit of a cheap shot in terms of storytelling that this episode didn't need because it was so good you know
2: yeah totally and it's like abrupt also you know yeah it's like yeah. oh we just ran out of time goodbye you know um but other than that i think it's a it's a really strong episode I was one of the The best of the season. Yeah. I mean, really, that's why we picked it, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, people might quibble with the fact that we didn't pick the finale and that's fine. There's just like a lot of stuff that happens in the back half of the season that feels to me like the show on fast forward. And, Mm -hmm. um, this is, this is, I think, the last point of the season where I am like fully on board with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, to be perfectly honest with you, if you are genuinely doing this 15 episode rewatch with us, um, you might want to go ahead and rewatch the dragon and the wolf, which is a season seven finale. Like, you know, why not? I mean, it's going to be your previously on, you're going to want us like just, Oh yeah. A little finger died. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I rewatched <laughs> it
2: after yeah. watching this one. Cause I was like, yeah, oh, I might as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, fair enough. We're not going to talk about it, but you know, you should probably watch it fair enough, you know? Um, all right. Well, that is it for our discussion of spoils of war. Uh, we are now going to go to our interview with special effects supervisor, Sam Conway. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Each story from our guests and listeners is totally unique and utterly personal. We love hearing about your
2: first impressions when visiting someplace new. My first trip to
1: the Patagonia region was on the Argentine side. I couldn't believe the expansive territory. It's like being in Tibet. The emptiness and the harshness, really, I found transformative.
0: Or a story told when safely back on dry land. You know, things happened every single day. I ran out of gas on a jet ski in the middle of the ocean. And I was like, what if a sea creature comes to (laughs) eat me? But then I'm delusional. I was like, I'll make friends with it and it won't (laughs) eat me. And maybe I'll ride that back to shore. (laughs) That's how it works. (laughs) Join me, Lalay Arakopli. Every week for more adventures on women who travel,
2: wherever you listen to your
0: podcasts. I'm Claire
2: Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. We're culture writers, podcasters, and hosts of the show Love to See It. Every week we give an unapologetically feminist dissection of reality dating shows, rom-coms, and other romance narratives. We unpack all the weird messages they send us about love, sex, and dating. And we dive into all the details with special guests like actors, authors, and cultural critics. You can find Love to See it wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every Tuesday.
0: Okay, so we're talking about Spoils of War, which is the episode where the Game of Thrones production team broke the Guinness Book of World Records for most stunt men burned at the same time, which is 20. So, it is only fitting that we are speaking with a special effects supervisor, Sam Conway. Sam Conway, for those who don't know, what exactly does a special effects supervisor do?
1: Um, We mostly create effects, physical effects, um, in camera. Um, uh, In other words, in reality. Uh, And we also add to the effects um, element shoots. And plate shots, you know we give them things that they need, and they put them into their work but specifically you know we're we're involved with a sort of like you know mostly destruction uh so we'll we'll uh yeah, we'll um <clears throat> we'll build gates that we can destroy you know explode or break we'll uh, we'll be doing a lot of fire stuff too we're involved with the stunts the stunt burns um we do a lot of um hydraulic work uh pneumatics, animatronics, um, what else did we do? Well, quite atmospherics as well. You know, and uh, for the for the phones uh stuff we were doing a lot of the snow as well, all the snow. Yeah. So yeah, so fair a bit, I think.
0: <laughs> I was talking. To, I was talking to Deb Riley, and she said the fake snow is one of her least favorite aspects of Game of Thrones because it just sort of gets everywhere. Is it possible to deal with?
1: It's one of those things that you can you can finish a job six months ago and you will still be finding snow. <laughs> yes, it's just everywhere. It's always there.
0: <laughs> My understanding is that. Um, you get the scripts and then you sit down with sort of the more digital effects side of things and you guys go through the script and say, okay, we can do this practically, we're going to have to do this digitally. Is that is that accurate? Uh, uh,
1: well, so basically what we tend to do is we sit down with, with, with sort of, you know, in a pre-production sort of mode alongside, say, I'd have meetings with, with VFX and then we work out, you know, where the parameters are, uh, what I can do physically and what they can provide uh, VFX-wise and then, you know, it basically sort of becomes a bit of a symbiotic kind of, you know, uh, department really, <clears throat> department of two, two Um Yeah, that's kind of how it works.
0: <laughs> Has there ever been a conversation where, you know, digital effects says, obviously we have to do this, and you're like, no, we can do this practically, and this is how I'm going to do it? Anything that you sort of fought for on that front?
1: Yeah, funny. But, I mean, what, what the the reason is, is that uh, Joe Barra really um, – would prefer to do anything physically um and you know and that's great, but obviously I can't build dragons and stuff like that so so there's, there's there's obviously limitations that I just cannot do uh and what I do is tend to give him what what he needs to make it convincing mm-hmm. hence hence the fire all the fire breathing you know all that's will you know it's all everything that every every time you see fire in front of it's all will we provided it so that's you know.
0: that's always a fun one of the fun um behind-the-scenes, uh, you know, videos that you see is is these contraptions you've built that just shoot fire, you know, it's just these, like, rigging yeah. that shoot fire around yeah. the set and stuff like that. That's
1: it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, yeah, we, we become almost complacent with all that. We just bring it out, set it up, bang it off, and then put it away again. I mean, it's, just, it's just dragon fire. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's just shoots shoot the flame one hundred and twenty foot. you know, don't worry about that.
0: <laughs> when you do yeah, so. yeah, when you do something like uh though um like season six, uh the wildfire, that's all digital, right? Wildfire is digital?
1: Yeah, so wildfire because we, we you know, um my predecessor, Stuart Luton. He um, was asked if he could do. I think it was uh, season three, and there was a the attack in the harbour, the Black Black um, Harbour.
0: Season two, yeah.
1: Was it season two? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Well done, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they, originally they were asked to, to. We were asked to do green fire, and it's it's very hard to do, and it's very especially that scale. So it became obvious that uh, VFX. We give them the fire, and then they colourise it. Like for example, the one you just said. With the start of that whole explosion was in the basement in the cellar, and uh, so what I did was to build a half scale set and then stand it upright and then did a couple of um, uh, fuel explosions, and the camera was mounted at the end, and it comes rushing towards the camera as if it's like you know yeah. uh, actually happening in in the vault itself. so then VFX took those flames to that effect and put it into its environment with a green color.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So like that shot, uh, I think the shot you're just describing is like the one where you can see like the barrels on either side of sort of the hallway and it's like coming right at you. And that's actual fire that's That's been treated. Oh, very cool. That's
1: actual fire. That's a a half scale set.
0: Oh, very cool. Interesting. (laughs) And then, so yeah, so you came on in in season four, is that right?
1: Yeah, I started in season four for um, Wolf Unit. I was running the floor of Wolf, uh, Wolf Unit. There's, there's two units, there's dragon unit and wolf unit. and It's like basically first unit or main unit and the second unit. You know, it's that sort of thing, really.
0: Right. And then is wolf the one in Belfast or is wolf the one sort of abroad?
1: Uh, well, uh, strangely enough, the, the wolf unit was the one that was mostly going abroad. Okay. Uh, the dragon unit was, would stay in, in Belfast. Mm-hmm. And the wolf unit would go off to do the sort of like, uh, you know, the Morocco, the um, uh, Croatia, Right and the Spain thing. So, so what was
0: the what was the first thing you did on season four that made you really feel like wow, I've I've stepped into this really cool new job?
1: I was gobsmacked with the kind of the scale of what what you know what they had, you know, I mean, like the, the big snow sets and the, you know the, the going going away and, and whisking, taking a whole unit over into another country and taking over locations for a TV show. That was quite stunning, you yeah, know, quite ambitious and you know, pretty, pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, those early days, they weren't, there wasn't really a great deal of effects work. I mean, it was, but it wasn't like, you know, it was it was like, you know, making sets look cool. Um, but no kind of like, you know, the dragons were too small and there wasn't too many serious battles going on. So,
0: right. You had like little bit of drag, like a little bit of dragon, like a puff of fire. And that's about it. You
1: know? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think the, <laughs> It starts getting get it got a bit more exciting in, in season five when we did the Dasnik.
0: Right, the fighting pit where Drogon swoops in to save Daenerys from the harpy attack.
1: So then we were out there doing that. That's when it started ramping up a bit. I think that was hard home season actually. I think Dragon were doing hard home and we were out there doing that.
0: Do you wish that you had gotten to be on the hard home shoot at all? Kidding me, right? <laughs> <laughs> all that snow.
1: Yeah, all that luck,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I could be in Spain. Seventy five seven five or something. <laughs>
0: um okay and i i i know that uh you know there was there was much discussion in season seven about um all the men you said on fire for spoils of war that it was like a big a record-breaking yeah. conflagration sort of yeah. thing can you talk about some of the discussions around that when you decided you were going to do that when someone told you that's crazy don't do that and you were like nope we're gonna do it let's do it yeah
1: so it all came up about when you know the early sort of pre-production or, or yeah production meetings, well, not pre-production, uh, discussing how we do uh, the um, the kind of uh, we break down the previs There's a previs that gets made, and we all sit around breaking it down, working out. You know, if we got a shot where there's say 20 men and they all get hit by a dragon fire, then do we do do we do that in in bits? Do we make it so it's like four minute time or something like that? Um, but Rowley was keen, because obviously it's a record, Rowley was keen to do, it, do all 20 in one hit. Um, you know, and I, I I wasn't shying away from that. The only sort of thing, I, my concern was 20 people is a lot, and there's a lot of heat generated. So I, I was concerned about the people in the middle, basically, the stunt guys in the middle. But uh, work, we developed a nice system of, um, of igniting stuntmen and also... Um, the strafe as well. We, we also worked out a really good system for the strafe work. And because we coincided the two, we put strafe and we put the igniters amongst the stunt men. We also came out with a really nice, um, uh, stunt flame gel, um, which, which would light instantly. You know, I mean, most stunt gels are normally, they take a, take a little while, a little bit too long to, to, to light up. So we came up with a real nice system. But we came up with that system for Daznik. That, that method. So from 2008 onwards, we've been using that all the time.
0: What is uh, stunt gel made of? What
1: is that? <laughs> well, that'd be a secret, wouldn't it?
0: <laughs> oh, it's, okay, okay. It's, it's,
1: it's, <laughs> some, it's something flammable, but something that doesn't, you know, uh, make itself obvious. You know, because some some of the gels are, are, are a colour. They're normally like um, they're normally clear, and they're burned to white, or they're normally like a glue, and you can see the glue. You know, like a contact adhesive. So, this stuff you can't. And as I say, it glides it it, it instantly. So, which is perfect for the stunt for all these stunt gags that needed something like that.
0: You've mentioned that the, the Daznik Drogon drops down and barbecues a bunch of Sons of the Harpy and stuff like that. But there's yeah. this other big Daenerys fire scene in season four when she's like negotiating. Over the dragons, and, and then you just see that she burns a slave master, and then there's that iconic like fire going everywhere. Um, how did you pull that one off? So
1: basically, that was all um, uh, trays, fire trays, um, with a, with a pyrotechnic um, igniter. Sometimes, you know, wind can kick up, you weren't expecting, and then the flames come towards the lovely um, hair-sprayed hair, sprayed <laughs> hair.
0: Oh no! <laughs> yeah <laughs> has, it, has has the hairspray ever caught on, on set of Game of Thrones?
1: No, it was when I, when I, I remember once when I was a child. It's just a little story. When I was a child, we were out for lunch in London with my parents, and uh, this woman had gone to the toilet, and she'd obviously given her hair a bit of a spruce up. And when she came back, when she lit, when she lit a cigarette, not only did her hair go up, but her jumper got, went up as well.
0: Oh so. my god. <laughs> So that's yeah. that's forever in your head when you. Forever in my head. Effects.
1: Just a simple <laughs> cigarette lighter. <laughs> that Was enough. So.
0: Can you recall anything that you did um, in the early seasons that you thought was really, you know, big or daunting at the time, and now you look back and you're like, oh man, I didn't even know how yeah. how big it was going to get.
1: Yeah. My background is. is more complex than than you know than the, the phones tv experience at the start uh so i you know i had it all in my in my arsenal anyway my mental arsenal um but um going you know thinking about the sort of ambitious stuff at the early days i mean there was lots of stuff out in croatia that we, we were doing like i suppose the shame walk that was quite big and ambitious yeah um you know we had gags to do in that which were you know, it had to be. It had to happen at certain times because that's the kind of the whole process was was a handheld camera following her all the way through, and she went through lots of different areas. In every area, there was something going on. So that was quite that was quite daunting. Sort of thinking about that.
0: So, what was your what What exactly is your job in um, in like the walk in Cersei's walk? What What is your team working on?
1: Well, we had um, we had uh. Well, you have you have this sort of general atmosphere that's going on anyway. So you've got lots of stalls that have got lots of things going on, like smoke and bits and pieces. And then there's dust in the air, and there's uh, people um, gobbing, you know, at her, spitting. her there's of, you know, spitting at her. Um, there's people throwing feces and stuff, which is you know all this sort of thing. We we manufacture the spit and the, fe- and the feces, um, and sometimes in some cases throw it. You know that, that sort of thing it's just it was difficult to kind of make sure that we all went through the right bits and pieces so
0: i forgot that you do the the snot i had forgotten that that's in your yeah. department
1: <laughs> yeah it, it, it's one of those ones it's either either falls into makeup or it, it you know or it falls drops if it, if it if it's on something already or you know but generally mm-hmm. speaking you know it's we did a kind of a flying snot sort of stuff that happens <laughs> it travels through the air. We tend to do it,
0: um, and then you you do the uh, not to get too gruesome, but you do the blood as well, right?
1: Yes, we do lots of blood. Um, basically, as I said, this goes back to to Joe and him wanting to do everything as real as possible. Uh, Joe Burrow. and um, so we all always put some kind of blood rig where there's supposed to be a sword, even when the sword doesn't exist. You know, they have the sword afterwards, and we'll be doing a gr- big old gruesome blood spurt from the area it's supposed to go into. Will come out of. Mm. So yeah, we normally have to wreak little blood gags on 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 the uh, actors or the stunts, um, and then it's all a question of getting it right and, and getting it in the camera. You know, because half the time it's they're full of adrenaline and they're flying around everywhere. When they if they hit the button at the wrong time, we don't see it. Um, but you always know. We always know it's gone off because everything's covered in blood. <clears throat> so <laughs> it's just, the camera. Do have
0: a- <laughs> I don't know if this is a disgusting question, but do you have a favorite like yeah. blood spatter, blood spurt? I do.
1: Yeah. I do actually. Yeah, I think the whole mountain thing was great when we did the the, oh. the, the, mountain, the mountain practice in in uh, Dubrovnik, and he was chopping up the the guys he was practicing against. There was lots of blood gags in that. And then when we did yeah. the, the Viper, well, the mountain yes. of Viper, we uh, we, mm-hmm. we practiced those those ice squeezes. <laughs> we had loads of footage of those ice squeezes. And then, then you know, we, yeah, it was, it was just lots of moments of fond memories of that one.
0: Yeah. Fond fond memories did you did, are you saying eye squeezes? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, eye squeezes. <laughs> yeah, you know, have heard of that before? Yeah, I know. <laughs> all the time, <laughs> I think that was a moment where everyone screamed when they watched it.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's probably the 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 blood spatter of Game of Thrones is is the Viper's yeah. head popping open like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I do remember. there was a quick one when we were doing it, and uh, I had to do it to the uh, script—a blood spurt and one of the blood spurts. And uh, I set it all up, did the test, and when we did it on the shoot, the uh, the first assistant um, insisted he stood behind me, and he was wearing white shirt and a lovely Panama hat. And I said, you better not stand there; you're gonna get covered." And he said, "No way, I'm going to get covered." So we, 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 you know, filmed it, and I hit my cue. And uh he didn't shout cut. He shouted something else. <laughs> 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 I turned around and he was absolutely covered. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. Has a good memory.
0: <laughs> and then you because you were working in the sunnier locations at season five, you didn't do um the Jon Snow's stabbing, right? That's that's the the yeah, Dragon the, Unit. Yeah,
1: the Dragon yeah, yeah, Dragon Unit did that. Yep. Start in season six, the we had to carry that on because he was in, he was in his pile at the start of season six and they took him off to, to his room in his dead state. So yeah, but the, the actual stabbing itself was, was the, was quite complex insofar as knowing exactly where these stabs were going to happen. Um, and the lads had to kind of make pipe work through the, through the costume and all that sort of thing and make sure that blood was pumping out the same places that the guys were stabbing, which is really tricky because, you know, it's so easy to sort of point at a picture and say, Well, there's a hole but when they're actually in the action it changes everything. Yeah. So but when he when he lies down there was there was copious amounts of pipe uh, pipes going into to him and he's lying in his spot. And um the lads built a um a fiberglass mound in the shape of a snow pile that he could lie in, so therefore we had a constant flow of blood because the snow just stops the blood instantly you know it comes out and it just disappears oh, you can't right. see it so you can waste Poor gallons and so gallons and gallons of blood not seeing anything so rather than do that they lads build this um fiberglass sort of shape and then the blood obviously can't sink in it just has to go so it runs out
0: yeah and i don't know if you pay attention to um silly fan theory nonsense but i remember when that happened there was all this people were so sure that you could see like a dragon and a wolf in, in the blood ooze there was, is that, were, is that people being just <clears> mental and look and seeing something that wasn't there? I don't, you know,
1: uh, there, there's a small recollection of, because also I think someone said that about when they broke for the East watch wall and they reckon that the, the army, the army of the dead was shaped like the wolf head. Mm. And, but yeah. I don't know if that was intended for the blood actually. I don't know. I don't think it was. I don't... Uh, sometimes... Unless, of course, they did it in post. They might have done it in post, but the blood that came out kind of just did what it had to do. Kind of ran out right. and ran across the, right. the fire glass, you know? It just
0: did its job. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's
0: also... I'm sorry if this is gross that I'm just, like, on a blood blood no, spree not, now, but... You, you're um, not
1: going to gross me out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about... Um, the poison uh that the that the women in Dorn use where you get this this bleed this trickle that comes out of your nose yeah. how do you do that that sort of that trickle like that
1: well there there's a million ways to do it but the easiest way was that makeup literally just squirted some blood up the nose, and it just sort of comes out on its own gravity.
0: So that's more that's more makeup than more
1: makeup. Than yeah, US. normally, yeah, S- S- normally sticking
0: if if, a pipe up an actor's if,
1: nose. Sticking a pipe up an actor's <laughs> nose would would be would be would be more asked in some respects. Like we well, <laughs> we did a we did a twenty eight um, days later, and one of the actors we had to make a vomit rig, and oh. uh, um, so we, we, it was a pipe inside the mouth, and it just spewed out just blood and viscous.
0: So, oh, uh, lovely.
2: Sort of... uh, what, <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> oh, yeah. was going to ask you. you,
0: you gonna <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what, what did you work on before that you feel like most prepared you to work on Game of Thrones? Um,
1: well, I mean, I, well, I did Troy, I did loads of things, um, but uh, I think 28 days later was good because it was improvised. A lot of it was improvised. We all knew what was roughly going on, but we did a lot of stuff from the back of the truck. You know, Danny would, would, have, a, we would all have a meeting in the morning, like a breakfast on the bus, and then we'd discuss mm-hmm. how we do the day, and then Danny would go, I'd really like to see some of like this. And, uh, you know, we'd come up with what games we could. We had in the back of the truck, he'd give us, you know, he'd say, how long would it take for doing this? And I'd say, I'll cut the hours. And, you know, he'd say, well, okay, we won't use you for a couple of hours at the start of the day. Go and make something. And we'd come back wow. and we show him. And he'd be like, Rick, let's get cameras on it. <laughs>
0: That's so, a good-looking movie, too. That's a great, such so yeah. great movie. Yeah, he's yeah. a fantastic
1: director. Great man. It's inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and then um, I know, like, I've, I've talked to a bunch of people about this, so I'm going to ask you this question. I know you can't, like, say much at all, but uh, is there anything that you're excited for people to see in Season 8 um, that you worked on, if there's anything, like, vaguely you can say about that?
1: Um, I think I can probably say expect much, much bigger, expect horror, expect all sorts of violence, all, all sorts of, you know, it's the end game, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. you know, stuff has to be destroyed. Um, that's about as far as I can go. I don't think I will go much more than that. <laughs> you know, been. Well, is it, is
0: it, is it fair to say that there, that your, your blood guys were busy in season eight?
1: You know, we were, Or every part of us were busy. I'm
0: sure, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, You know,
1: so that kind of says everything. Everything was was brought to the table and and multiplied by 5,000. And, 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 you know, that wasn't... A lot of that was pretty much every department, you know? So I think records were broken in Season 7 and I think everyone tried to break as many records as they possibly could in the last one so yeah expect big
0: um was there and this, this I don't think it's spoiler it's just sort of more emotion like how did you feel when you did the last thing you were ever going to do uh for Game of Thrones
1: um tired <laughs> <laughs> which just I've been on it for uh, a year and a couple of months and, yeah. um, when we started filming, um, we'd never had a rest bite. And then the last thing we did when, when it was, you know, called cut, that was the last, that was the last of frame of a film ever to go through a camera for Game of Thrones. And it was like emotion, emotion obviously, and, uh, but tiredness, tired elation. And, uh, what I wanted was a beer. <laughs> and holiday. Well, <laughs>
0: well, you probably earned it. So, yeah. yeah uh All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. I really, really appreciate it. This is okay. great.
1: Yeah, that's okay. fine. I hope I'm bored too much.
0: No, no. Uh, and I don't think any uh, eye squeezes is like a <laughs> I'll take with me forever. So,
1: thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: Alright, so that is it for Spoils of War. Now is the time drum roll to announce our our final episode. Richard, what are we gonna talk about next time on Still Watching?
2: We are gonna talk about the granddaddy of them all, season six, episode ten, The Winds of Winter.
0: <sighs> the Winds of Winter are upon us. It's, yes.
2: It's boom boom. <laughs> Everything go boom boom.
0: <laughs> yeah, everything go boom boom is the technical name of the episode. Uh, we will be talking about the Sept explosion and stuff like that. We will explain to you why we think that, like this is the episode, but it is the one that Richard and I unanimously agreed upon was like the episode. So, we will talk about that next time. We also have a great interview uh, with composer Ramin Javadi on that episode. So, uh, we will see you. That will that will drop on Sunday uh, premiere time. So. Uh, you can listen to it Sunday morning get all amped up uh, for the season 8 premiere of Game of Thrones Uh, this episode itself was edited and produced by Dave Gonzalez, Richard until we're back for boom boom time where can people find you?
2: In a cave doing an elaborate series of like faked ancient drawings trying to convince Richard Madden to love me Um, but I'll also be on Twitter at Rylas and VF.com, where will you be?
0: um i'll be with bran just waiting to hear him drop more truth bombs on people about weird things he knows about their lives in winterfell because that seems like a really fun game to me bran oh, go totally. ahead do that it's, thing <laughs>
2: it, it's like in movies like edge of tomorrow where someone repeats the day and it's just so fun watching them like spook people because they're like you're he's gonna sit there you know whatever it's oh
0: yeah <laughs> Um, Otherwise, you can find me on VF.com or you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. Also, Richard and I talked about uh, Game of Thrones on our other podcast, Little Gold Men, this week. So if you want to check that out, uh, as if you haven't heard us talk enough about Game of Thrones, uh, we do some more over there. Uh, We will see you next time. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Each story from our guests and listeners is totally unique and utterly personal. We love hearing about your first impressions when visiting someplace new. My
1: first trip to the Patagonia region was on the Argentine side. I couldn't believe the expansive territory. It's like being in Tibet. The emptiness and the harshness, really, I found transformative.
0: Or, a story told when safely back on dry land. You know, things happened every single day. I ran out of gas on a jet ski in the middle of the ocean. And I was like, what if a sea creature comes to eat me? (laughs) But then I'm delusional. I was like, I'll make friends with it and it won't (laughs) eat me. And maybe I'll ride that back to shore. That's how it works. (laughs) Join me, Laleh Aracopley. Every week for more adventures on women who travel, wherever you listen to your podcasts.